What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. And right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com, the lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. It's 11.57 p.m. in Irwindale, California, at the Renaissance Fair. And you're listening to Night Call. podcast for your Ren days and Renly nights. My name is Molly Lambert, and I'm here in Los Angeles with Tess Lynch. And over in New York, we have, as always, Emily Yoshida. Molly, you make Game of Thrones references without even meaning to. There's a character called Renly Baratheon in seasons one and two of Game of Thrones. You're a super fan. It's amazing. <laughs> That's what a friend of Nightcall, Starly Kind, kept telling me when we went to the Ren Fair together with other friend of Nightcall, Jane Marie. A star-studded podcast team. Yeah, that's of, like a real, that's like a, a meetup of the ages. It's a convention, an accidental a con- convention. <laughs> a, a coven of podcasters. <laughs> we uh, enjoyed a fried artichoke and a baked potato. Many, many festivities oh, were had. and Just uh, like in the old world. <laughs> <laughs> Just like olden times. It was great. But Starly is a big Game of Thrones fan. Yeah, as we discussed last week. And this time she kept pointing at people and going, well, hey, do you like that? And I'd be like, yeah, yeah, that's cute. She'd go, then you like Game of Thrones. That's Game of Thrones. You like it. It's a compelling argument. It was great. Say. She like pointed as like a girl who was probably like Arya or dressed as Arya or something. And she was like, hey, you like that outfit? I was like, yeah, sure. Good cosplay. <laughs> She's like, boom, you're a huge Game of Thrones fan. She got me. I mean, I went to the Ren Fair. Yeah, yeah, see, you're halfway well, we've there. Discussed. You love you love medieval times. Well, you know, <laughs> I like the uh, I like the juxtaposition also of California of, and yeah, Renaissance stuff. 
There's a lot of people yeah. just like wearing sublime shirts at the Ren right. Fair. Yeah. There's course. like a combo of people so dressed up and people just wearing a Raiders jersey and flip flops like they do every day. And that's what I love about it. It's beautiful to me. <laughs> and casual. And they have those West th- yeah, Coast casual. Right. There's no dress code at the yeah. Ren Fair. And they have those things where there's like a bubble that a kid can run around in. Oh, like of. the hamster ball type thing? Yeah. Oh. On water. Uh, there's like a giant... the lady of the lake. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Starly had an inquiry for Miladies. Yes, we definitely want to hear Starly's call and this night call. And in general, we are going to take a bunch of night calls today because it's been a second. We know we've got a backlog of calls we want to get to. So we're going to have a regular call fest this week. Speaking of which, if you would like to call, please give us a call about all things night-related at 24046-NIGHT or at nightcallpodcast at gmail.com because we're going to try to start taking more calls and emails, and we'd love to hear from you. And you should check out our brand new Patreon. Oh, yes. That now exists. We've launched it today as of this recording, but it will be a week from today when you hear this, and we will have all ascended to the next plane. Thank you to everybody who has already subscribed just within the first 24 hours here. It's moved us all immensely. We're so grateful to all of you. If you'd like to check out our Patreon and support it, it is patreon.com forward slash nightcall. Also, we we really have to thank Shea Serrano, Grantland alum Shea Serrano, who boosted our Patreon to the point of like, I almost cried and <laughs> feel weird admitting that, but it was it was really it was so nice of him. And yeah, we're we're really touched by all the support. And we have some cool stuff at the tiers to give you if you support our podcast. So please do. Yeah, including a book club. Yeah. And some mixtapes. And we put out a little video that you can see that Emily did a great job on. An amazing job. Um, and we would love for everyone to check it out and check out our Patreon. And now on to the night calls. All right, this is a night call from Starly. Technically, it is a night recording, a uh, night field recording that we did in the car on the way home from the Ren Fair while we were still talking about Game of Thrones. Here it is. This is Starly Kind. I have a question for night call, specifically for Emily, since Molly doesn't watch Game of Thrones even though she'd love it. Uh, My question, Emily, is who are you personally rooting... Like, I I think it's... I'm assuming that you want both these people to die, but who do you want to die more? (laughs) Jon, Jon Snow, or Khaleesi? Emily, who, who are you rooting for to die? First of all... I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna stall for a second here. Keep everybody in suspense. Um, so and and this is with with all of the love in my heart. I watched the last season of Game of Thrones with the one and only Starly Kine. Um, I would bring over a bottle of wine to her apartment, and I feel like most of it would be drunk by the time the episode started. And it was really fun. And usually I watch the show by myself, so it was it was fun to have somebody to like yell at the tv with then uh as this season was coming up i went back and i was uh you know just trying to brush up like remember where we were and i started to watch the last season before this um which was really short it was like seven episodes or something i i did not remember most of the stuff that happened in that season (laughs) like all the rest of the seasons i think i had watched the episodes at least twice because i was writing about them so i'd have to like go back and see what happened but I do feel like I miss Starly this time around like we became Game of Thrones buddies so um so I appreciate this question in more ways than one I think Starly makes a strong argument just for watching Game of Thrones with Starly yeah yeah (laughs) she's like the most opinionated person to watch the show with um it's uh it's real fun (laughs) she's got takes usually yeah she's got takes and I like to argue with people whose opinions are like not mine Right. Which is why we have a good <laughs> podcast. Um, but also so, my conversation is fun. So Hey, conversation, we love it. Is she setting you up in some way? Does she know what you are going to answer this question already? Um, I don't think she does. But I mean, I don't know if the answer is what she thinks it's going to be. 
I mean, if I had to pick, and I don't think either of these people are going to die, but if one person dies, it's probably going to be Jon Snow. And I, <laughs> Rachel just looked at me in the most like incriminating way. <laughs> well, let's just like have it be clear that he has already died and what? been brought yes. back. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's a long Wait, story. Wait, so is he a ghost? No. The Lord of Light brought him back because it was foretold that he would, you know, he okay, was necessary. He was to be if a, queen, a ghost a, wins <laughs> the Game of Thrones. He's not a ghost. If a ghost were to win the Game of Thrones, does it count or do you get like a mulligan? He's not a ghost. Well, if he's, he's brought back from the dead, he's a zombie at least. <laughs> he's kind. Well, there are there are several people who have been brought back to life yes. by the Lord of Light and they are kind of like... So you're telling zombies. me people. You're telling me people can die on the show and be brought back immediately. Yeah, very, sounds very, like a, very your favorite. Very sounds like a cool show. <laughs> it's extremely like specific circumstances. Well, like Dan said last week, it's really rare for there to be this kind of magic, but it does happen. Yeah. But when it wow. happens, it's like it must whoa. be cool like, to be jerked around by a show into thinking that your beloved characters have died, and then a wizard goes boop, and they're like, oh, they're alive again. It's like well, Alexis Carrington is. So we meet a lesser character, a more minor character, who's had this happen to him before we meet Jon Snow. So it's not like we didn't know this could happen. We just knew it was maybe the precedent this could has been set. Like, I'm going like to answer. Like I feel I'm, like I've heard of you know that. I'm kind here of to answer Starley's. I'm going to answer Starley's question. I want all of them to die. Cool, great. All men must we, die. Yeah, you love Game of Thrones. <laughs> I do. I say that all the time. All men must die. It's a great uh, slogan. Valor Morghulis. Um, yeah, and in in the spirit of that, like I hope that Jon Snow dies. I more than Khaleesi. Yeah, I mean, I think it makes less sense. Like, I don't think it would be very satisfying for Khaleesi to die. I feel like the rug is going to be pulled out of her in some way or another. I don't know if that necessarily means she's going to die. Maybe they're going to pull that bad rug off her head finally and be Ooh, like, "Wow, we have an expensive budget, but the wigs on wow. the show are so bad and unbelievable. The roast master has arrived. Tess, you're also the ro- the game of roasts. <laughs> War of the roasts. War of the roasts. The roasts. Is- Nightcall would love to host your roast. Please hire Nightcall to oh, be yeah. your roast hosts. Um, we're, we'd be like the friendliest, gentlest roast hosts. Unless we'd forget to Thrones. roast people halfway through and start talking about We, su- we just cryptids. sous vide. We don't roast. We sous vide. Right. <laughs> it's a warm bath. Um, Tess. What's uh, up, Molly? Tess, you're also a Game of Thrones fan. Do you have a feeling about this? Who would I prefer? Whom? Who would I prefer to, <laughs> to die? Whom? Jon Snow or Daenerys Targaryen. Yes. I would prefer Jon Snow to die because A, he already has. And B, I, 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 (laughs) yeah. Uh, I think that like, I'm the only person who saw last night's episode, which is now two episodes in the past. If you're listening to this, I feel like I have not been wowed by Jon Snow's charisma in a while. I'm kind of over it. Never been. I'm a, as we all know, I'm a Daenerys fan. Last night, and this is not a spoiler, but let me just say that there's a scene where they're at a party and Daenerys is like sitting there looking at everyone and she's super paranoid. Like everyone's, you know, going to take me down. Everyone's talking about me. Really identified with that. (laughs) Need to keep her around for that reason. It's like, I know that feeling. Have you seen? Daenerys is like hit the bong and she's just like, I don't know. It seems like everyone hates me here. She's (laughs) terrible. Um, Ever since I saw that meme about how Jon Snow looks just like George Costanza. Yes. (laughs) Cannot unsee. A riveting joust. A riveting joust, indeed. I'm betting on Bran. Ugh, Bran. I mean, it's clear you don't watch the show if you're betting on Bran. No, but I watch Veep, and I think Veep is going to end with Splat being president, which is my dream, and I feel like you just always bet on, like, the person that nobody would bet on. Yeah. Oh, you mean you're betting on him to win? Bran seems to know he's on the way out. Yeah. To win the game? Oh, I thought you were betting on him. I was like, what? No, I Both are very unlikely. Bran's going to win. Molly calls a Game of Thrones. He's not even Bran anymore, Molly. Vegas he's three-eyed. Odds. He's a three-eyed raven. Well, he's not Bran. The appearance of the three-eyed snake in nature let me know that Bran. Oh, it was a sign. The three-eyed raven's gonna win. Oh yeah. Speaking of the three-eyed it. snake, yeah, you know that is definitely the night call mascot of the month. Yeah, we love it. Moving on to more creepy things, I believe we have an email regarding Roswell. Yes, we have a. Somewhat belated, but nonetheless incredibly appreciated email from Yesenia, 
who is a Roswell native. A while ago, we were asking if there was anybody that listened to our show who was a Roswell resident or former resident or native. And uh, yeah, we heard back from Yesenia, and it was, uh, it was a great email to get, so I'll just read it. Hey, Night Call Pod, I am finally writing, even though your first episode wrangled me in with it's whatever time it was in Roswell, New Mexico. Since then, there have been a lot of Roswell chats, so I felt I had to write in as a native of the city, parentheses town. I was born and grew up in Roswell and left when I went to college, but my family is still there, so I visit. It really is such a small place, fewer than 50,000 people, so it was always really interesting to us as children when people would come from all over to hang out with the aliens. I'm neither confirming nor denying that they're still here. I remember our family took a trip to New York when the Roswell show was at its peak, and my sister and I saw a billboard of the show and just turned to each other and laughed. The significance has only really hit me as I've lived outside for 10 years, and it always starts cool conversations when people realize I'm from there. Roswell definitely caters to the tourism. There's a UFO McDonald's, the lampposts downtown are alien heads, and the main theater is called Galaxy 8 with a UFO-esque front. There's also a UFO museum, and people love taking pics of the Roswell City Limits sign, not to mention alien paraphernalia everywhere, and of course the UFO crash site, which is a little north of the actual city, though I have to admit I've not visited. It's a big deal. I appreciate it, and I'm sure Roswell, New Mexico does too. I'll send a postcard next time I'm down there. Thank you so much, Yesenia. This is great. I mean, this is sort of how I would imagine it. Like, even the UFO McDonald's that, like, even the national and international chains will, like, catch Roswell fever if they have an outpost there. It seems very appropriate. Yeah, this made me want to go to Roswell so bad. There have been a lot of things that have made us want to go to Roswell, (laughs) to be honest. Yeah, we uh, send that call to Roswell. I'm kind of jealous. I mean, I love L.A., but, like, it could use that extra layer of, like, a weird event that's not bad. Oh, we have too many weird events, but they're all bad. Yeah. But what about, like, a not a neutral weird event to add a layer? It's like a clarity of theme with Roswell. It's like there's yeah. lots of weird yes. stuff in L.A., and it's all kind of competing for your attention, and you can, like, ride different wavelengths of, of weird L.A. history to go down and, and places to get your picture taken or whatever. But, like, the fact that Roswell is just all about this one thing is yeah. makes yeah. it really pure, I feel like. <laughs> L.A. doesn't have a central theme or location. Yeah. Well, it I feel like it does have like central themes. There are a few themes. I mean, we and also we have like some good ghosts. Yeah. Very good ghosts. Very big fan of our ghosts. What if you're not what if you don't believe in aliens and you live in Roswell? That must be terrible. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you must not believe in aliens if you live in Roswell, but like I don't know. It's like not being the protagonist in your own life. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you would just seize the opportunity. You don't think everybody just rebels against whatever a town is serving them when they're young? No, you, you have to call- go along with it. Other- <laughs> Otherwise, you're out. You're out. That's and why, call listeners, if you live in Roswell, New Mexico, and you don't feel like the protagonist of your own life, <laughs> please give us a night call at one two four zero four six nine. No matter where you live, if you don't feel like the protagonist, I don't feel like the protagonist in you just my own life. You into half something the time. much weirder. I think. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Well, I haven't I mean, felt uh, like the protagonist in a long time. It's really but, unnerving when you start feeling that way. Because you're in an stop. ensemble cast. That's terrible, right? No, it's great. <laughs> I love ensemble. Nothing is better than an ensemble movie. One of my theories about Game of Thrones that I said to Starly that I was like, this is why I think Game of Thrones is good is because I like any ensemble show that tricks men into caring about a bunch of female characters by seeding sure. them with an equal number of male characters, <laughs> sure. which is, I think, all good ensemble shows. The Sopranos, yeah. like... Every good ensemble show, you're like, ha, you tricked men into, like, (laughs) getting involved in the emotional lives of, like, a teenage girl because they want to see what happens with dragons. Um, Yeah. So, (laughs) bully to you, Thrones. Yeah, bully to you. This email does make me think about, like, like... Not being into the thing that your town or, like, where you grew up was about, like, like the feeling of alienation that is, like, very common for, for growing up in, in any given place. But when that's added, like, if you grew up in a football town, for example, but you, like, hate football or you just really like, I don't know, lacrosse instead. <laughs> 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 but, like, being being at odds with the thing that your your town is known for. Yeah. Um, I mean, that the, the, the UFO thing is such a strong idea, like, around that. But I do feel like probably a lot of L.A. kids grow up feeling really, like, alienated from show business or uh, 
or you know any of that. Probably as many kids who who grow up and want to just be actors or directors or whatever too. But yeah, for and sure. what about the people who live in Maine but they're allergic to shellfish? Exactly, <laughs> that's terrible. That's worse. That's it worse, is. honestly, because. If you believe in aliens or not, that doesn't ap- affect your ability to appreciate, like, all the alien kitsch stuff that goes right. on in Roswell. Yeah. It's still better than being from Connecticut where the theme is repression. Right. Mm, Connecticut. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. And if you can't do the thing, like, as I say so eloquently, to have the good thing where it's good, like, I like lobsters in Maine or something. If you can't do that, that always feels like a bummer. Like, if you're yeah. lactose intolerant and you live in Wisconsin, for example. Exactly. Yeah. That sucks. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Guys, I think we should take another night call. This one, I've been thinking about this one a lot. Okay, so this one comes from AM. Hi, Tess, Emily, and Molly. I'm listening to Night Call 63, the scary statistic you cited about 22% of companies using data on their employees' movements reminded me that a temporary job I had at, I'm going to redact this, in Queens, required me to submit biometric data at the start and end of every shift. Here's how it worked. After signing my employment contract, a manager told me to stand against a wall in the store. I didn't know what was happening until she had me move my head up and down and I realized a camera was reading my face. We clocked in and out of shifts by putting our faces in front of a scanner and could only unlock slash log into our registers by touching a fingerprint scanner. It didn't really matter that I hadn't given my permission to the store's security slash surveillance team to collect my data because I needed the job, but I still wished they'd offered me a chance to opt out. I'm certain it would never occur to the store's managers that this was a breach of privacy or that there's any legitimate reason we wouldn't want our biometric information in a security database. The scanner sometimes wouldn't work if I wore dark lipstick or took my coat and hat off. Do you remember seeing stories several years ago about makeup and hairstyles that could thwart facial recognition tech? I feel like I've been waiting for the anti-surveillance punk look to come in fashion since then. Obviously only a temporary solution, but a fun one. I wonder if it works. Thank you so much for this terrifying email. Um, I just want to jump right in. Please do. And say that. I just bought one of those face blocker things. Oh, cool. What are they? Like a full face shade. Yeah. I posted pictures of it. I wore it to the Ren Faire. It's Uh like, um... It's like the visor that goes all the way down. Is it like the... I did um, see a picture. I had no idea what that was when we posted it. Vista Viano. uh, Yeah, Vista Viano. Donald Sterling's mistress wore one. But they're also just popular. Yeah. It's like a big, like, grandma look in L.A., I feel like. Interesting. I'm into that. Yeah. You will be is mad that into so it. that your face is, did you do it for fashion purposes? No, I did for... it for sun purposes because yeah. I was going to the Ren Fair, which is in Irwindale, right. and it's super sunny. Um, and also, I just like found one that I've been like thinking about getting one for yeah. a long time. And then night call friend Karina Longworth had one, and I was like, oh, I totally do want one. <laughs> just do it. And then I was wearing it around, and it was like the most amazing feeling because people can't see your face. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. You walk around. <laughs> that almost seems impolite. It's it's amazing. It's also like if you're a woman, especially, it's like, oh, men cannot see your face. They can't even see if you're smiling. Right. They like can see your body, but who cares? They can't see your face. It's amazing. <laughs> I love it. But does does that inhibit your ability to like connect with people? Yes. That's what I found out. <laughs> that's the point. <laughs> from wearing it for a whole day. Because yeah. it's kind of amazing because it's like you have this little like bubble around you. Yeah. You're I was like also a like, ghost. Yeah. I was just like vaping inside of it. I was very like. <laughs> you were hotboxing your own head. Yes. My little, my little <laughs> cocoon. <laughs> um, but you sort of get a Darth Vader from talking under it voice. Yeah. Do you think it's healthy? Does it, Is it breathable? Like is there yeah. enough air circulation? Oh, yeah. I mean it's just a shade. So it's yeah, not it's like a, a visor. full. It's not, it's not like a, a, a hockey mask yeah. or like a. Or, yeah, like a fencing mask or something like that. Yeah. Although a fencing mask would also be a good look. <laughs> no, and also uh, Jane Marie was like, some dudes might just be into that. That's true, so too. Like, Ugh, horrible You're just thought. a body. Especially if I'm wearing it on, like, Star Wars Day and it's a little mm. stormtrooper-y. But it is really fun. I do recommend it if you're going to, like, the beach or something. Check it out. I don't know how I'd feel walking around without my face in front of me. You know what I mean? <laughs> I... I'm an overwearer of sunglasses. Like, I wear sunglasses on cloudy days. I started doing it because I, I squint in the sun really badly. And 
it would like hurt my face all day if I was like I I remember like on snowy days in Iowa if I was like squinting all day then I, my face would hurt. You got a headache. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I started wearing like sunglasses really obsessively like all the time. I can't leave ha- the house without sunglasses even if it's raining. And that I feel like affords enough freedom. It makes you look like an asshole, which I also kind of like. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Nobody's going to really try to talk to you like on the train. That's funny. Like I that. always I like didn't wear sunglasses for a, like until I was like 18 or something because I thought they were like pretentious. <laughs> I have a really hard time wearing sunglasses because the difference between my peripheral vision and my forward vision gives me like a little bit of a vertigo feeling. Okay, imagine oh, a shield yeah. that covers your whole face. But my problem as Molly knows from hanging out for a long time at random like corners, I really I like talking to strangers. It's like <laughs> it gives me my juice. Um, yeah. not always. I mean, definitely not always, but I I've, I've, I've kind of like it's become part of the texture of my life that I wouldn't want to get rid. I'd be like sad if people if I couldn't connect with people's faces. But at the same time, like this, you know, the sunglasses issue. Well, it's interesting to think about using it around. as a facial recognition te- technology blocker. That's true. I wonder if yeah. it would work because I love that idea. And also that whole story about getting the biometrics of people at a company is super weird. I mean, that's just well, crazy that yeah. you clock in and you stand against a wall and like they scan your face for you to clock in. It's like what? They, they're just see- it seems like it's all a front. And I, I redacted also- the name of the the store where she worked but it was not like it's a not, national security firm not, she's not working at google like we can't exactly. say that much like it's not this uh, like huge high security like it feels very excessive if if the kind if the business is the kind of business that the name makes it sound like um yeah i feel like that all of that tech is really really easily compromised too like i feel like, also you can, like you can take a picture of uh, or like have a full color scan of your face and like put it in front of your head and walk in front of the scanner and probably like get away with it <laughs> you know yeah. like uh if somebody really wants to take your identity and it's just your face like i don't yeah. know I-, I like that that facial recognition technology will never be as good as like a crow is right at recognizing human faces right. <laughs> well but i mean like we have to say like crows are extremely intelligent yeah they're super intelligent really intelligent yeah I just think like the idea of putting so much of your identity on your face feels like a really like slippery philosophical argument to me. <laughs> Not only mm-hmm. because like everybody gets work done now and stuff and that's like fairly common especially yeah that's a very philosophically scary thing when you look on Instagram and it's like every beautiful person has the exact same face. Yeah, that's yeah. a very weird phenomenon. Yeah. What if everybody had no face at all? That would be worse. No, <laughs> think about it. A blank, like, the blank. No, that's like the stuff of nightmares. Like blank face. Yeah, oh, yeah. Cutie no face. face. Well, this cutie is the shadow no people. Face. This is my oh, shadow person it. experience. Was the oh, person yeah. with no face. Yeah, I hate it. There's a no face in Dick Tracy. Yeah, turns out to be Madonna at the end. Spoiler for Dick Tracy. Look, it all comes together. We were yeah. just talking about Dick Tracy last week. It's all one theme. It is all one theme. Well, this this email was amazing. Thank you so much for. Yes, it was awesome. I wanted to say real quick and like kind of on the subject of 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 um, I guess like future dystopias <laughs> is that mm-hmm. like in the in the broad category. I went to um, Hudson Yards today. Like I wasn't planning on it at all, but I I went to a screening this morning and I happened to uh, run into a buddy there and we ended up riding bikes. Like I ran I got a city bike and like I, I've never biked in New York before because it scares me a lot. But I we we biked up to. Hudson Yards. And for those of you who don't live in New York or don't know about this, Hudson Yards is like this terrifying development that now exists like basically over the Hudson Yards, like the train yards for um, for Penn Station. And it's really kind of in the middle of nowhere, like super, super west side midtown. And there wasn't much of anything there before except for like the Javits Center. But now there's like five, I think there are five currently um, hotels condo type you know mixed use buildings and like a big stupid shopping center with like a Cartier and a Lululemon in it and that is what the Hudson Yards is it's the most charmless public space I've ever seen there's actually a really really good just complete burn of it in the New York Times that came out about the I think the day that it opened just about how 
like anti-human the space is how it's it seems so counter to like the needs of a city like the funny thing is is that the high the high line you guys know the high line yeah um so it goes up all the way to hudson yards now oh Um, basically it like runs into this wall of like steel and glass just like you you run right into the giant skyscraper um and it's funny because i think of the high line as being something that like is actually like pretty humanistic and like a nice space even though it's a total people zoo like it's a nice like thing that they decided to put money into (laughs) yeah but it has a purpose yeah the hudson yards is like totally from this like post-human dystopia it's like very there's there's this big thing in the middle of it called the vessel yeah that's what people have been concentrating on that is like it's like an art installation in the middle and it's literally a staircase to nowhere apparently really Yeah, so the vessel, the the crazy thing about this, and this is, um, I'm looking now at this article on um, Curbed New York. The vessel is basically made to be a Instagram trap because it's so crazy looking. It looks like a big, like, our, our producer Rachel is calling it the shawarma. I think that's like the nickname that's that they're working on for it. People are trying to make that one stick because it does look like a meat tornado. But people take these pictures of it, and uh, there are like terms and conditions if you visit the vessel, which means that you agree that if you go into the structure, okay, when you, attentive readers notice that hidden within vessels visitor terms and conditions, which ticket holders agree to when signing up to climb the structure, there's a clause that more or less gave Hudson Yards the right to photos, audio recording, or video footage depicting or relating to vessel for any purpose whatsoever in any and all media, in either case, now known or developed later. So, like, basically, if you... Ste- it's a trap! Yeah. You, oh, so you said... That's why you said it's a sliver. Yeah. 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 It's like this... It's just a staircase to nowhere that everybody gets, like, Instagram photos in. I think I read somewhere else that there's photo recognition for it like the structure because it's such a unique structure so that like there's some kind of algorithm that can tell when somebody has taken a photo of of the vessel and then can use that to use that photo for promotional purposes or whatever they want like they can find photos of it just like automatically on Ah. so it's super scary (laughs) also if this stuff was even at all charming or kind of like fun to look at it would be one thing, but it's so ugly, all of it. It's so – and, like, everybody goes there because it, they know that they have to get a picture taken there because it's, like, the Instagram thing now to get your picture taken there. But, but like – what do you do – like, what is inside? Nothing. It's just stairs. It's, like – It's just it's, literally it's, just stairs to nowhere. It's, like, it's a, a honeycomb m- thing of stairs that's, like, a kind of half – like, it's a basket, basically. So you can climb Are up to the top of the basket. Are there emergency exits? <laughs> It's a great question. Right? I don't think so. Yeah. Like, that's my main question about it. It seems like a death trap. Yeah, I don't think there's an elevator or anything in it. Like, it's all stairs. So it's not accessible. It um, looks like a water slide that got grounded. <laughs> you know? It's just like a really, like, it and the super skinny towers in New York that, like, appear overnight that, like, oligarchs park their money in. Right. Are like really, really great visual metaphors for um Yeah, the we have, collapse. We of have society. a lot of those too. And like the yeah. other thing we have way too many of now that you guys also have a lot of in New York are those pop up museums that aren't <sighs> actually museums. They're yeah. opening one down the street from where we record here called mm-hmm. the Museum of Fruit. That we were getting mad about because it's like this space that used to be an art store and then it was like recently a Halloween store and then they're turning it into the Museum of Fruit, which is like an Instagram thing with different rooms and each room is like a fruit that you take photos in front of and it's like, we need housing so badly. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Like, this is insane. And then I was in the Beverly Center, which is another kind of staircase to nowhere of its own it's been under construction for like 10 years it's now like they finished it but it hasn't like they didn't change anything it's hilarious they like just put this kind of frank gary grate on the outside and they're like i thought that was like part of the construction no it's that's it but on the top floor it's also like it does a weird labyrinth thing to my brain because it's like they took out the movie theater and the food court so when i go to the top and that's not there anymore i'm like wait now yeah what's nothing and it's like being in a video game where you like go down the wrong way because you're like I know something is here, but it's not right. here anymore. And, and what they, they put, 
in its place is nothing. But then there's like a Playboy pop up right now that's like what? I didn't pay because I wouldn't pay for a pop up. But it's yeah. like the Playboy Museum. Like go in the room that's a fake Playboy club and take your photo in front of some stuff for fifteen dollars. God, we're like the word the word museum is becoming like completely useless. Yes, like we no, com- and it's we've eroded it. <laughs> Right. And it's interesting because like obviously the way museums are programmed did start to cater to Instagram. Like Mm -hmm. as soon as it became like they went, you know, which was smart to be like, you can take photos in front of the art. Yeah. You know, I mean, I went to the Hilma F. Klimt show like I I did my part. I didn't post any photos there, but like, you know, it's not the appeal of that. For many I liked, people, I like that me. one. No, but I saw a lot of people posting about that one. I thought it was funny because I just kept being like Hilma Clint AF. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, she's cool. So no, it was a, it was a cool show, and it's just like, but and 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 I really, I mean, I really genuinely enjoyed it. Um, I, but I, I, you know, there were people who were just going through and taking a photo of everyone and not even like looking at taking a moment to look at the art with their own eyes. Which is, you know, just kind of where right. we're at right the now. The experience economy has gotten so weird. I'm yeah. also going to call it now, not that I'm going to stop using it, but in a way I think like Instagram might be the most insidious social media platform. In what way? Go on. Well, I just feel like talking about facial recognition and having these kind of Instagram traps, like it takes more legwork to kind of draw a person to a physical location and then expect to for them to give you exposure if it's in a written piece versus just a picture. I mean, it's obviously yeah. crosses language barriers. It's like easily interpreted by anyone. And there's a lot of data that you can collect from that without the person really understanding how they're interacting with the platform, I think. Right. Yeah. Conversely, TikTok, which is the new Vine, yes. I think might be good and save us all. Really? A, it's where Go old, on. <laughs> a, it's where Old Town Road came from. Yeah. Right. It's true. Yeah. It's where Old Town Road came from. And then Jay Kang has been posting all these amazing. He's got the cooking. best. Yeah. He found yeah. a good stream and it's literally a stream called of stream cooking. It's amazing. It's people like foraging in a stream and uh-huh. then cooking in the stream. And it's the most relaxing, great. Cooking in the stream. Yeah. It's, you have to. How do you it's make like a fire a, in a street? I've I almost seen... don't want to like spoil the one that he posted because it's like. Ooh, okay. I, I, I almost screamed when I saw what happened at the end of it. I was like so delighted. <laughs> That's all I'll say. <laughs> all right. <laughs> we'll put this uh, in the show notes so everyone can see. Yeah. Um, slow internet will return. It is so. Yeah. It's perfect yeah. slow internet. The other thing I think of when it comes to Instagram about you know, it may be being secretly the most insidious is just the way that certain visual things are normalized in it or like yes. patterns and behaviors are just repeated over and over and over again until like they become reality. And for some reason, like there's obviously the linguistic version of that, but then there's the like visual version of that. There was an article recently in the Atlantic about how the current batch of new Instagram influencers are like abandoning what we think of as the Instagram aesthetic. Like they're not doing the super bright colors and food arranged just so and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. They're like, it's blurry and out of focus. Yeah, yeah. They're really like, appeal. deal with it. Grunge Instagram. <laughs> but I still thought that was interesting, at least like, because you t- tend to think of these things or like the idea of influencers as being like this big, like, just one big movement but the idea that there are some people who are i don't know i also feel like it must be so weird for like like if you're a kid who knows people that are making a living as influencers yeah 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 that must shift your perception of like if you're like that is what's valuable and like nobody thinks about like when will this end right like well it's also like if no career is sustainable why not go for the career that everybody knows is not sustainable but like burns the brightest yeah Yeah. and at least you you're prepared going into it yeah I also just say that the other thing that I think is kind of unsettling about Instagram is the story well first of all it's it's the the platform that I think is most kind of explicitly expecting you to document in real time you know and I think that the stories feature also gives this weird 
like you're able to really track a person's movements. Not that I would, but theoretically <laughs> you could. Like looking at Molly's stories, I was like, okay, she's moving through the Renaissance Fair and now she's here. Like I can almost do like a map of where Molly goes. Right. And then I could pin it to my bedroom wall and, you know. <laughs> well, you're all assuming I'm posting in real time. I, go, I that's, go there tomorrow and true. follow in her footsteps and look for exactly. tracks. <laughs> <laughs> I think we assume know. people are posting in real time, but I feel like sometimes mm, they're not. Yeah. But I think across the board, most people do it. It's something that you do without thinking. And it's also it seems to be like less incriminating. You're not really expressing opinions as often. I'm going to go ahead and say I do think about it. And I generally post after I'm not at that place anymore. That's yeah. I don't fair. don't want to be so like, here's where I am right this second. But it's also like with Twitter, I think after the Justine on the plane thing went, I mean, after everyone realized that like a bad tweet can kind of ruin mm-hmm. your day, month, year, career, whatever. There's there's nothing in Instagram. I mean, you could have a terrible Instagram caption, but for the most part, most people I follow are not writing like little mini essays right. very often. It's harder to get canceled from Instagram. Yeah, it's harder to get canceled from Instagram. And as a result, you can thoughtlessly document things without. Yeah, I mean, with Twitter, I think now everyone gives like a little more pause before they express something. Right. Well, that's the Snapchat Rubicon. Everybody. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> fair, fair. <laughs> no, I remember like seeing uh, like David Cho had Snapchat and I did not. He brought it to Disneyland. and I was like, why would you document like every five seconds of things that are happening? Like who wants that? And mm-hmm. then that just became how everyone does everything. I and people do want though. it. I like don't. I think it's too much. The amount of energy that it takes for me is like not worth it. I, I, and it's not actually thoughtless for me to post a selfie. Like I have so many selfies that I was. That's because like, you're such a director. Up. Yeah, it is. You're, you have a director's. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> but I'm also just like, oh, like I, you're like, like I'm going to take five hundred of, of like the top nine photos on my Instagram. If like if if any more than three of them are selfies and I start to get really self-conscious like that, <laughs> that, that, I, that everybody thinks I'm just an idiot who posts selfies all the time. I don't think you post too many selfies, Emily, and yeah, I would tell also, you if I like, thought you did. I think also once you're past a certain age, like it doesn't feel self-conscious anymore. It's yeah. just kind of like, here's my face. It's what I, it's part of my body. Yeah. Like, it's all I got. Yeah. Um, I think it took me a long time to be like, to not feel like it was just really vain to post selfies to be like, it's fine to just be like, right. here I am documenting that I exist. Well, like, that's sort of the funny thing about launching the Patreon this week is that yeah. we have like photos of ourselves and video out there. And like, it's not that we don't have photos of ourselves out there. We're just like not primarily, I would say, like visually represented people. And there was somebody <laughs> right. who responded to one of them being like, it's so weird to see like sound coming out of their mouths at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Like we I got always that thought from that they a were bunch of people. Like I was like maybe and, we, yeah. yeah, I was like maybe we've hidden our faces like too much. Well, what yeah. people don't realize is that all of our the whole video was CGI and yeah. Emily had to computer generate the <laughs> I voice. Know. I mean, that's why I was saying it's a lot of work because she yeah, actually really created tired. this. <laughs> yeah. So much wire work. Hey guys, before we wrap up, can we take one last night call? Yeah. Absolutely. Can it be the abject cosmic horror one? Mm-hmm. Okie dokie. This email comes from Christian. Hey, Night Kali says, Still love the podcast a lot, whatever crazy days and lonely nights are in store for us all. In the last episode, you asked about listeners' reactions to the black hole images, and I can tell you, abject cosmic horror. Why the online community is celebrating this image of a giant piece of nothingness is beyond me. I have always had mainly fear of the vastness of space, usually bigger than any sense of wonder or awe. However, this brings me to a question to you, connected to this sense of cosmic horror. A few nights ago, my girlfriend and I were sitting on my terrace, drinking white wine and looking at the stars. One particularly bright and blinking... Sorry, what did you say? Humble brag. Humble brag. One particularly bright and blinking star caught our eye and my girlfriend's night sky app told us it was Arcturus, a red giant 36 light years away and 110 times brighter than our sun. We both shuddered at that thought. Then I remembered reading about panpsychism, the idea that the entire universe and everything in it, not just us, but every tree and rock, has a consciousness. One piece of evidence for panpsychism is that stars' movements in the galaxy seems to be explicable only if we assume their own volition. The idea that Arcturus might have some sort of incomprehensible consciousness scared my girlfriend even more, but I got a weird sense of consolation from it that there is this being up there instead of just a cloud of very hot gas. 
which would you prefer and which scares you more? Christian. Oh, such a good night call. I mean, I know the answer immediately. I mean, the lack of consciousness is so much more scary. Like, I mean, yes, that's a very quick way to feel okay about the vastness of space is that like some somebody's up there. Um, you guys know in Griffith Observatory in the museum part, like the um, there's sort of that downstairs area where there's like a, a huge mural on yes. one side of the yep. stars. And it's supposed to be uh, if you hold up your finger and you're looking at the night sky, like your index finger, like kind of close to your face, the amount of the the night sky that fits into your finger is approximately what that part of the wall represents, which is about like three stories high. And I don't know. It cannot be over <laughs> overstated how big space is. Uh, <laughs> and it, yeah, it, I think the thing that's upsetting about that is the fact that there's not anything there, like that as far as we know, or that there's not anything comparable to what we understand as being consciousness or life or sentience out there. Um, I think that's immensely more upsetting (laughs) than the stars having consciousness. Well, I just want to say that the Griffith Park Observatory has been closed for the last week. Oh, no. And we are starting. No, it's fine. Um, Are they remodeling? Well, it's supposedly to install LED lights along the path. But at night call, we are starting the rumor here. You heard it first that it's because they found an alien. Oh, good one. Right? I'll totally disseminate that. Sure. Okay, great. (laughs) Molly, do you prefer to think of planets as being sentient or just objects? I'm going to tell you, I like make everything sentient, whether it wants to be or not. Like when I was a kid, I was really into like giving numbers personalities. Oh, Oh, nice. No, no, me too. I know exactly. Yeah. Yeah. A sign that I would not be good at math. (laughs) Be good at world building instead. (laughs) We went to a camp in elementary school called Astro Camp. Oh, yeah. That was like a sleepaway camp for a couple nights in Idlewild where it's like space themed. Um, but it was like we were supposed to go on this night hike and there was this whole thing. It was like the big thing is the night hike and then you like chew wintergreen lifesavers in the dark to make sparks and look at the stars through a <laughs> Wee, telescope. Camp. Camp. <laughs> Um, but it was too foggy to see the stars. So instead they showed us Powers of Ten um, by the Eameses. Mm-hmm. And I'd never seen it before, and it scared the living daylights out of me <laughs> because it's just like, here's space, and then it just goes here and further mm-hmm. away and further away, and like it just never ends, and we don't know where it ends, yeah. and there's no end, the end. Yeah. Um, it's like the beginning so, of contact. Yeah. <laughs> But I think uh, I think now I find it weirdly co- consoling. I like that there's no order to things. Maybe I'm an anarchist. You definitely are an anarchist. I've been told that a few times recently, yeah. and I'm like, but I like order to some things. Right. You're a, a Virgo anarchist. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like a, a an uncluttered uh, chaos. Yeah. I definitely have felt bad for the planet Pluto in my life. Oh, for sure. I mean, Pluto is also always kind of like an emotionally accessible planet, I think. I like also that when you see things and it's like we don't know why the moon exists. Oh, hey, speaking of which, I just wanted to spend a moon minute with you guys really briefly to let you know that a new study that was conducted by American and Japanese researchers hypothesized that the moon was formed when a protoplanet crashed into Earth way back in the day when Earth was just like a ton of it was covered with like a sea of magma. And then the magma splashed into outer space and then it expanded and then it like gelled together and made the moon. (laughs) <laughs> Isn't that a great theory? Love it. And they're like, this theory is just as viable as all the other theories, none of which we know if they're true. Well, there were like problems with previous theories. It, they, there were like gaping holes in the I didn't logic. realize we didn't know why the moon exists. Well, they didn't understand why it was. It, its materials were so Earth-like, but also not Earth-like. Yeah. I looked at the moon through a real pair of binoculars recently, and oh, yeah. that also made my brain oh, yeah. explode. Yeah, it doesn't it's take like much, I, really. Like, yeah, yeah, but it also, again, it's comforting. You're like, oh, we matter so little. It's great. Well, with that, uh, with that thought, I think that does it for this week's night call. Uh, thank you so much for all your night calls and night emails this week, and we're glad we had a chance to get to some of them. If you have any thoughts or night calls that you want to make yourself, please give us a call at one two four zero four six night, 
or an email at nightcallpodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at nightcallpod, Instagram at nightcallpodcast, and Facebook at nightcallpodcast. And subscribe to our Patreon. It's uh, it's 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 chugging along now, week in. So go to patreon.com slash nightcall and check out our newsletter, our book club, all sorts of stuff we have uh, coming soon in the Nightcall verse. Also watch the video Emily made. It is so amazing, yeah, especially knows. now that you know it's all CGI. Yeah. You really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, I want to be up for an Oscar this year. So, yeah animated short um (laughs) (laughs) well yeah we'd like to support the new season of an emmy for megan which is called not i believe it's not an emmy for megan (laughs) uh (laughs) give megan amram an emmy and then give yeah night call the best animation award for (laughs) let's just like our beautiful animated faces i'll try to get some awards this year like it's it's time (laughs) yeah every season is award season (laughs) this year on night call all right we'll see everybody next week Thanks for listening. Bye. 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 This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat and support your weight management journey. And right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com. The lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.